Greetings and welcome to The Dividing Line. Here we are again. Uh, yes, indeed, it is um, the 17th of November in the year of our Lord, 2020. And uh, yes, the uh, National Weather Service in Phoenix just once again released a, uh, a graphic. Uh, high so far today in Phoenix, 90 degrees Fahrenheit, new record high temperature, previous record 87, latest 90 plus Fahrenheit on record. 191st 90-plus high temp of 2020, third most on record. We won't, that's one, one record we won't get to. 1989 had 196 days of 90 or, or above. So that, yeah, but we, we could tie number two, which is 192. We're at 191. Yeah, I just came down and uh, <laughs> I can't tell you. Um, I'm still hoping out, I'm still holding out for snow. I just, I, I'm, you know, that'd be nice to to have some snow. I'm just hoping Flagstaff gets some snow. <laughs> That's the scary part. They need it. Uh, they need it. Well, welcome to the program today. Yes, Twitter distracted me yet once again, as it as it does with many, many things going on. What's this thing about Twitter's story? I'm not seeing that. Everyone's talking about this story thing on Twitter, and I'm not I'm not even seeing it, but uh, maybe I have to refresh something or something. I don't know. Um, I, I don't know. Oh, look, the Walker Seminary just tweeted. Um, you know the Walker Seminary, Union Seminary. They uh, ceased being a Christian seminary back in the uh, late 1800s, and uh, so they're still just... Is Walker a reference out of the Yes. 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 You haven't, I was retweeting them for a while, calling them the Walker Seminary, and you weren't catching that? Okay, all right, sorry. Yeah, it's from The Walking Dead. They're just, you know, they ceased being a Christian seminary a long time ago, but they're still shuffling down the road. <laughs> just Eventually, the believability factor breaks down there, because, you know, you know I studied biology, and I'm, I'm just not sure how anything like that would actually work, but it was, it was still fun. Are they still doing that? Is that, is that still a... It is. Wow, that's talk about going past your your expiration date. Oh, the only thing left is walkers. Okay, so now now they're naming walkers, and walkers are falling in love with walkers. Okay, great, yeah, wonderful. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, now, if they kept the level of storytelling up that they're doing with the Mandalorian, then I could see that one going for a long time. But how, but eventually, even the kids got to grow up. <laughs> so, anyway, sorry. I, I keep getting distracted by stuff like that. Uh, it just pops up on the screen, and nothing we can do about it. Uh, did you see? Now this is this is important stuff. Okay, uh, weather and stuff um, to the side. Uh, Oxford Dictionary changes definitions for man and woman. Oxford Dictionary changes definitions for man and woman. The Oxford English Dictionary. Uh, Previously included, quote, a man's wife, girlfriend, or lover in its definition for a woman. It now reads, a person's wife, girlfriend, or lover. The same was done to the definition for man, which now reads, a person's husband, boyfriend, or lover. Uh, Oxford University Press said, we have undertaken an extensive review of the dictionary and thesaurus entries and usage examples for woman and for many related terms. We... Um, I am reading slowly. It's not something you can read huge chunks of without becoming easily distracted by anything going on around you. Um, 
but the uh, the book, um, oh, its name has now escaped me. Um, something about skeptical theories, fallacies, something like that. Anyway, um, on the social justice movement and wokeism and, and everything else uh, from Lindsay and Pluckhorn. And uh, one of the you know, first issues that, that they have to define is that in what they call theory, the, the modern incarnation of postmodernism, which has destroyed our universities, educational system, and is fundamentally undercutting the foundations of all of Western civilization and may have already completed that process, and we're just in free fall right now. Anyway, that one of the key issues there is the, the theoretical assertion um, that language is fundamentally incapable of communicating information and that it's primarily uh, based upon cultural development and hence cannot really even communicate between cultures. You can imagine what happens when that kind of viewpoint becomes prevalent in the biblical academy. And, it, of course, at places like Union Seminary, that, that's, that's been a given for a long, long time, that language is really not capable of communicating these things. Um, but I suggested on Twitter a couple days ago when the story about the Oxford English Dictionary came out, this is just the result of that same thing. It's, it's, it's um, the, the fluidity of language. Now, language develops. There is no question about that. But you can follow that development um, this is not a development. This is a revolution. This is, this is uh, burn it all down and don't rebuild anything in its place. It's, it's what uh, Orwell saw coming with Newspeak and the Newspeak Dictionary and the destruction of words and the shrinking of the number of available words uh, so that you could only express what Big Brother wanted to have expressed in the way that Big Brother wanted it expressed. And the initial, the, the initial people who de- started this movement in the 60s and 70s, this, this was not where they thought it would be going. Um, and many of the people that are utilizing it in a radical form today will not appreciate what's eventually going to come of it, especially when they're the ones who end up being um, very fully um, – Inhibited, shall we say, by the by the uh, overwhelming state power. But uh, I, I said when I tweeted this, hold on to your paper dictionaries, hold on to your old paper dictionaries, so that we have a paper trail. Um, if you've read Fahrenheit four fifty one, you're sitting there going, yeah, until the fireman comes along and burns it all up. Um, but all those dystopian novels, they. You got to admit they they covered the bases, didn't they? I mean, no one no one novel pulled it off. But but Fahrenheit 451 Equilibrium uh and I it's not like that's a, a a genre that I'm that I've spent a whole lot of time with. Um I did just pick up another one that was suggested to me. I haven't started reading it yet. Uh Perfect Day, I think is what it's called. Um, more of this dystopian stuff, but man, you put them all together, and they they did a, they did a pretty good job. Uh, I mean, most of us have noticed that it's sort of 1984, Brave New World, intermingling with one another, um, 
And uh, yeah, Logan's run's coming. Um, uh, it's there's there's huh? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Seven. Yeah. It's seven. It's at seventy-five right now. But at, that by the time it hit Logan's run, it was down to thirty, uh, and there was there was a reason for that. But uh, uh, anyway, uh, yes. Hold on to your old dictionaries, and uh, you know I've warned about this for a while, and I, I, but I've warned about it within the context of biblical studies because if you have the um, current standardized Greek lexicon for Koine Greek, which would include New Testament Greek, uh, Bauer, Arndt, Gingrich, and Donker, which, you, which Bauer, Donker, Arndt, and Gingrich is BDAG or BAGD, it's, whether you're talking about second or third editions. Um, I was stunned by how the definition on arsenokoites, homosexual, uh, tripled in size between those two. Now, part of that is because there was a whole lot more published on the subject, but it's not like anything new actually had been discovered. This was political correctness, redefining language. And this has been going on for... It's been going on slowly. Now it's just going to be happening at, at warp speed. So hold on to those old ones. Uh, teach your kids out of the old ones. Uh, Parents, be aware of the fact that uh, you are going to be called upon to counteract um, so much of what the world is putting into your children's heads. If you're homeschooling now, you get to do that every day. You get to form their worldview. Um, I have my, – my wife, even this morning when I told her uh, about the – high temperature today. She once again repeated the thanks Debbie Downer line. Uh, anytime I say anything, you know, like realistic, I like, well, thanks Debbie Downer. Uh, but here's another Debbie Downer line, and, and that is a reminder uh, that there are nations uh, in the West that are banning homeschooling. Again, it's for, the, it's for our safety. It's for the best of everyone. Everything always is. Uh, but, of course, the state gets to decide, decide what the best is. And um, I've been saying, once the last bit of resistance is washed away, and may have been uh, just a couple weeks ago, we'll see what happens, but looks like it probably was, um, the flood will be overwhelming, and it probably is unstoppable outside of some probably natural disaster, uh, alien invasion, <laughs> you know, something, something to get us all to pull together again. Um, sort of like July 4th, you know, uh, that, that would be the type of thing that might get everybody to put their differences aside. Uh, species extinction, something like that. But uh, barring all of that, uh, you know, I can see homeschooling uh, disappearing fairly rapidly. Uh, using the same excuses that are being used in Europe right now in regards to, well, you know, uh, Islamic extremism is, uh, is a danger, and therefore we have to protect you from all danger. You can't do that for yourself. So you might say, well, yeah, I don't know. Did you see the story this morning? There was a baptism going on in a church in London uh, over the weekend, and the police busted in. And threw, threw everybody out except for the last 15 people who could watch the baptism, baptismal service uh, going on. 
but everybody else, uh, social distancing. You got to got to have your social distancing. And we all sit around going, uh, we read those stories here in the U.S. And when you think of social distancing, what do you think of? Six feet. That's not what it is there. Because, see, there, there is no number. It's made up. It's made up. Um, it's different countries have different numbers. And evidently, the virus obeys whatever country it's in. No, actually, it doesn't obey any of that stuff. Because like I said in the last program, you can have military-level uh, quarantine. And, 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 you know, and they, had, they had the antibacterial, antiviral wipes, which with the, with the slightest sneeze disappear from your local stores because uh, nobody can keep them in stock. Uh, they had all that kind of stuff we don't have. You, you can't stop it. A virus is going to virus. And all this stuff they're doing, I was watching a video this morning of a guy who was going through and showing all the case numbers, and, and uh, then he'd put the arrow up as to where the mask mandate started. <laughs> and it was always down at the bottom, didn't do anything to keep the thing from going up, because it doesn't do anything. We all know it now. Oh, well, okay, I'll take that back. There are some people who are desperate to believe it. Just desperate to believe it. Doesn't matter what the facts show. Doesn't matter what the studies show. You can you can point them to medical journal after medical journal after medical journal, and they just don't care. They they they're desperate to believe it because they're so panicked. They're so afraid of uh, walking outside their own the door of their own house. I'm hearing more and more stories about people who have been in their houses since March. Since March, they 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 haven't gone out. They're having food delivered. They, can you imagine? I, I can't even begin to imagine. Uh, that's that's not that's a that's that's hor- that's horrific. It's terrible. But, um, anyways, those those folks are are they want to believe it? They 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 want to do it. So the point is, if the if the government right now is breaking into churches and stopping baptismal services, to all on the premise that this somehow is going to do something, when all the evidence shows it does nothing at all. It doesn't do any of that stuff. Um, That kind of authoritarianism will then be utilized to control every aspect of society, and that includes the education of children. And the foundation in America where we have resisted this has been based upon our claim that it's the family that has that responsibility. Once, however, you destroy all the jobs of the middle class and the the poor um, and make them all wards of the state, and that's where this universal minimum income stuff's coming from, which would just be just enough to get by, and live in your one-room apartment, and not get married, not have children, and that's what they want. That's what the Great Reset wants. They want to make it impossible. They want, first of all, they want everyone to be a ward of the state, because then you will always vote the right way, as if your votes really mattered, it, but it's always best to have it look good. Okay. Uh, once you're dependent upon the state, you'll always vote for the, the state that will give you more and more stuff. And so they want you dependent upon the state. Then the state can medicate you. The state can force whatever they want into you. 
And just as in China, the state can tell you how many children you can have. And that way they can start pairing, because from, from their perspective, way too many humans. Way too many. you gotta got to cut it back. Got to cut it back. So the only way to do that, start cutting back on, uh, on the number of children you can have. And if you can't, if you can barely afford to feed yourself, your wife, and a child, um, then that's really, really, really easy to, to make that work. It's, it's, it's just a part of how it works. So that, that kind of totalitarianism, again, some of you, ah, that white guy, he is such a conspiracy nut. And that's when I said mail-in voting was going to cause a, oh, you're a conspiracy nut. We've been doing it for years. Okay, there you go. Uh, so yeah, uh, hold on to your old dictionaries. They are, uh, they will be a gold mine of, uh, of information. Um, I noticed, uh, also very, very troubling, uh, is the fact that, uh, not only did you have immediately after the election, um, Pete Buttigieg and, and people associated with him starting these, uh, websites to, uh, track people who were on the wrong side of history and, and make sure they never do that again. Again, anyone who is familiar with, even familiar with, not, I mean, it's not like I've read a billion books on the subject, but if you were just paying attention uh, to what was going on in the Soviet bloc from the 1950s to the 1980s, uh, then you know this is how it works in those situations, when you have totalitarianism, um, you you have absolute state control, and you have punishment of anyone who would would be a dissident and who would who would dare. I mean, look at look, Would you really want to run against Putin? Now, Putin may be stepping down. I mean, he may have some type of cancer or something. Who knows? Um, but in in years past, would you want to run against Putin? How many of, of the people who ran against Putin died of radioactive poisoning? Darts from umbrellas. I mean, just amazing things. And in all these third, you know, second and third world countries and in, in down in Central America and South America, uh, it's so obvious that when you try to go against the party, um, you will be destroyed. They will destroy you. And now we're seeing it here. They're, do- they're following the exact same playbook because they know that a sufficient percentage of the American population is so ignorant of history, doesn't care about it, doesn't know. We used to laugh in the 1990s at jaywalking. Remember? Some of you don't remember. But Jay Leno would go out and he would do interviews. Some of you don't even know who Jay Leno is um, or was. But he would go out and he'd do interviews with people on the street and ask them basic questions, show them pictures of presidents from only 10 years earlier or something along those lines. And the level of ignorance of not only current events, but of the history of the United States, uh, who fought in the Civil War, um, uh, who won the Civil War. I mean, just, just an amazing, you know, amazingly simplistic questions like this. And college graduates, university students. I remember this one woman who was who was in in university, uh, 
in the training to be a teacher and her ignorance of the history of the United States was absolutely astonishing. Now we laughed back then. Now they're in charge. Those very same people have been uh, co-opted by a socialist mindset and they're in charge. And, you know, if an alien was watching this, did anyone see uh, back in the 90s, there was a movie called uh, Contact. And it was all the Carl Sagan, SETI stuff. uh, And that one super liberal female actress was in it, whatever her name was. Anyway, and... um, uh, But uh, when... Contact was finally made with this extraterrestrial life. They sent back to us the first images we sent out on television, which were uh, the Nazis and the the Olympic Games in, what was it, 38, something like that? Um, 36 to 38. And uh, and that freaked everybody out that, you know, so the first images sent by aliens back to us are of the Nazis. Uh, But if they were sitting out there watching all of this and cataloging our history based upon what we have transmitted out into space. Uh, I can just imagine them sitting there going, you know, this didn't turn out real well last time (laughs) and y'all are going to do it again. Uh, We need to move on. There is no intelligent life on this planet uh, because that that's, that's the case, but they who, Ignore history or doomed to repeat it, and those who study it are doomed to sit around and watch the people who've ignored it repeat it and without them being able to do anything about it. Um, so when you see uh, a leftist group launching a campaign to harass Trump's election lawyers and providing and, and, and flooding legal firms with phone calls uh, so that you can't have legal representation. That is, that has to be undertaken. There was a day when there would have been massive pushback against that because it would be so obvious that this was a fundamental violation of the way that our system works. There isn't any more because, as I mentioned uh, um, this morning, um, I don't don't think anything is going to come of all of this election fraud stuff. It's not that I don't. I said a long time ago, I'm not going to – I just simply – I'm going to be too skeptical of any future elections that are done the way this is being done and now with the computer stuff and everything else. And Yeah, I'm, I'm there with you. I get it, but I don't think it's going to change anything because there's a lot of people who still think we live in 1980 when we're living in 2020. And the difference is we no longer have a free press. We just don't have a free press anymore. Uh, Social media is the last bastion of anyone who would dare dig beneath the surface and and try to find out what the truth is. But New York Times, things like that, they completely apostatized from the call of journalism. Completely. And so what existed back then that would have dug into these things and would have been concerned about the evidence of uh, the numbers not adding up 
and the role of computer algorithms and things like that. I've got a friend back east. He'll tell you. He's probably he's watching or will be watching. He'll tell you before the election took place. I said to him, my issue isn't the local places. It's the computers that add it all up. It's the algorithms they're using. I said that. He'll tell you. He's still probably still in our text messages. So uh, that is normative in totalitarian systems. The, the fix is in, and that's why they suppress the press. In this situation, they bought the press. They invaded by means of the press. They took over the universities and the press. Once you got the universities and the press, everything will follow after that. All you need are enough willing shells in the church to divide the church, and they got that too, uh, to accomplish your goal. And so, there you go. There you go. Uh, I also will just briefly make mention of um, (laughs) one other thing here, and that is uh, good old Dan Barker. Oh, my most of you don't don't know who Dan Barker is. You may have seen his name in various news things and stuff like that. Um, but uh, thank you. Uh, Dan Barker is the head of the Freedom from Religion Foundation. I first engaged Dan Barker on the Tom Likas show. I wonder if Tom Likas is still. You know, I have not heard anything. Is Tom Likas still around? I mean, is he still on the air someplace? That's what I would like to know. If he's still even on the air anywhere, um, because that that would be that would be interesting. Tom Likas was was the first shock jock in the Phoenix area. Okay, um, when the shock jocks took off in the eighties, um, he was one of the first ones here in in Phoenix. I think he eventually went to L.A. Um, and uh, but I was on his program. I lost track of how many times I was on Lycus. I was 10, 12 times. I lost track. <clears throat> I became one of the uh, religious people <coughs> that since I was doing radio concurrently, um, would know how to do breaks, and I could tell by looking at the guy behind the board. We're coming up on a break, and so I get my point in time, and he didn't have to stop me. They liked having somebody that knew radio in the studio because it makes it their job that much easier. And who's going to speak fast enough and be succinct and follow the format, basically. Anyway, um, I took on Dan Barker uh, in studio uh, with Tom Likas, and he had his, quote, significant other with him. Annie Gaylord, I think, or just an Annie Gaylord or something like that. Um, and they together were responsible for putting together Freedom from Religion Foundation, which 95% of the time, when you read about a school having to stop doing something they've done for 100 years, uh, a coach getting fired for leading prayers this, with his uh, players, whatever else, 99, 95% of the time, it's Freedom from Religion Foundation, Dan Barker, who is a apostate, and loves to tell people he still gets a royalty check each year from the uh, Christian music he wrote when uh, he was a false Christian. And uh, I've debated him formally twice, uh, once at the University of Illinois 
And then what's up in the Northwest? That was the don't quote me, bro, uh, debate. And uh, uh, he's still running right out there. Doug Wilson has debated him as well. And uh, so I saw another one uh, November 15th, two days ago. Kansas school cancels Operation Christmas Child after atheist group complains. I remember what Operation Christmas Child is. That's, that's where people pack up those boxes with gifts and stuff for poor kids. So the Freedom for Religion Foundation doesn't want poor kids to get gifts because it's associated with God. Now, I can guarantee you the Freedom for Religion Foundation ain't doing that. They're not going to take over and provide stuff for those kids. No, no. <laughs> no. Um, so, uh, yeah, FFRF's letter to Helfrich, uh, Superintendent Tony Helfrich, Ask the school cease participation in Operation Christmas Child or taking any other action promoting Christianity, like including religious references over morning announcements. So these these are people that really want Christians to live on islands um, and and total one hundred percent secularism. But just the you step back and and you go so you you don't want little kids to get a Christmas box. That's that that tells you a lot. I mean, obviously, your arguments are so vacuous that you know they're not going to they're not going to actually convince enough people. So you just the best way to do it is to shut down the other side. Is we want secularism by default, as if that's what the founders intended. They will actually pretend that that's what the founders intended. No, nobody who knows a scintilla of history would believe that. But um that's freedom from religion foundation that's the stuff that they're up to uh, all the time the cells anyways what that, that debate from KFYI is on seminar really uh, yeah, you're kidding yeah. ha so rich is uh, telling me that on sermon audio um the recording of the debate with um Dan Barker is still there from sometime around 1986. Well, that was my. I mean, some of these I had to guess. I guessed around July 1986. As I'm looking at the atheism section here, uh, yeah, and that's going to be that's going to be before I ever even heard of most of my current understanding of apologetics. So, yeah. So, yeah. but you got Dan Barker there. You got Brian Lynch. Oh yes, is oh, yeah. there. Oh, no. Now, Brian Lynch was was with uh, American Atheists, and right. um, then we got the one with um, Robert Funk, the the one where he tells them to, to go to hell and yep, hangs yep, up. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. That was uh, on the Bob Mohan show. Yep, uh, Anne McKinney, Fundamentalist Anonymous. Uh, um, yeah, so all those early ones are mostly early. Yeah, ones those are right aren't going to be overly presuppositional either, because mm-hmm. I was twenty four. Yeah, yeah, 20, 86, yeah. 24, 20, 23, 24 years of age. Yeah, yeah. So I was I was a young buck at the time. We've been doing this a while. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was uh yeah, that was uh coming up on, you know, we're getting pretty close to 40 years ago for that too. So yeah, uh I didn't know those were up there. Uh, I'm not sure that I want them up there to be honest with you. <laughs> that was a long time ago, but uh yeah, I remember standing out in the parking lot with uh, with Dan Barker and his significant other, and, and uh, he was considerably nicer than she was. Uh, that was one thing I was immediately uh, cognizant of. Was whoa, wow, um, that's a that's a rough one. But uh, but 
Anyway, you can see the debates, the formal debates that we did, and you can see why after the second debate we're not going to be doing any more debates. By the way, um, if you're interested, the Legacy Study Bible, Legacy is it called Legacy Study Bible, Legacy Standard Bible. Um, the Gospel of Mark uh, has uh, been released in PDF format. And so you can get a free download in PDF format of the Gospel of Mark. And um, interestingly, I just happened, yeah, Legacy Standard Bible, there it is. Copyright 2020 by the Lockman Foundation. So Lockman still has, it says, Legacy Standard Bible is adapted from the New American Standard Bible, copyright 1967-1795 by the Lockman Foundation. All rights reserved. So Lockman still owns the copyright on this. Uh, uh, Masters does not. That's um, that's interesting. Uh, very interesting. So that almost says to me that Lockman is dividing between the 2020 and the Legacy Standard Bible to try to capture a little larger group, a little larger portion of the of the audience. <clears throat> which explains why the 2020 went the direction that it did. Though I got the feeling personally that this LSB with with uh, Masters was more of a modern idea, a recent, very recent idea. But anyways, just looking at the end of uh, Mark, they have a single bracket around verses 9 through 20. And then after verse 20, they put the shorter ending. Or is that the medium? It all depends on how you, which one you identify as what. Um, also in a single bracket, but separated from the previous and then in italics. So you, you may know of the shorter ending, and they promptly reported all these instructions to Peter and his companions. And after that, Jesus himself sent out through them from east to west the sacred and imperishable preaching of eternal salvation. And so that's put at the very end, um, after verse 20, with a separate brackets thing. So that's interesting. So you might want to grab that. I think it's 316publishing.com. Uh, is where I downloaded it from. Uh, I was sent an email about it if you want to look at uh, what they're coming up with for the um, gospel according to Mark, what that's going to look like. And uh, um, I did just happen to notice here in looking at it, they are still following the NASB's all-block Old Testament citation format, Um, which surprises me a little bit. Um, I mean, I like it for reading, but it's a royal pain when you're quoting, uh, because in electronic format, it looks like you're yelling and there's, there's no way to, uh, transfer over the large font, small font stuff that you do with, with that. So I, I, I'm not sure what to do about that, to be honest with you. Uh, I I really am a big advocate of knowing when you're reading a quotation from the Old Testament. It's extremely important. And then the other thing is, and this is going to be interesting, and I wondered how they were going to handle this, because I've been told, this is from the New Testament, I've been told that in the Old Testament, 
they're going to be rendering the Tetragrammaton as Yahweh. So instead of L-O-R-D with the O and the R and D in small caps, it's going to be rendered as Yahweh. Now that's going to freak some Russians out. I've mentioned this to you before, but the Russian Synodal Bible, the standard Bible that's used in Russia, um, does not follow that convention. And so you have no way of knowing in looking at that Bible whether you're seeing the Tetragrammaton or not. And so the name of God in the Old Testament, unknown. And uh, which is to the great advantage of Jehovah's Witnesses, by the way. Um, But then how do you handle that in the New Testament? So if you if you put Yahweh in the Old Testament and then you quote the Old Testament in the New Testament, what do you do now when Yahweh appears as Kurios? That was the issue that the New World Translation faced, New World Translation of Jehovah's Witnesses, because they inserted Jehovah into the Old Testament. They they rendered all the appearances of the Tetragrammaton in the Old Testament as Jehovah. But there are certain places where the New Testament writers quote from the Old Testament and identify Jesus as Jehovah. So they didn't... So so when the New Testament of Jehovah's Witnesses, the New World Translation, quotes from the Old Testament 237 times. This was... Last time I knew this number was back in the late 1980s, early 1990s. If they made any changes since then... I haven't kept up with it, okay? So back then, it was 237 times they inserted the name Jehovah into the New Testament. Though we don't have New Testament manuscripts that do that, uh, they did that because they're citations from the Old Testament, except when that would have messed with their theology and identified Jesus as Jehovah, and they don't do it there. They do kurios. So going back to the, le- the Legacy Standard Bible, Right at the beginning of Mark, you have that conflated citation from Isaiah and some of the minor prophets. Uh, Behold, I send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way, the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make ready the way of the Lord. And my assumption is that that's in the Old Testament going to be make ready the way of Yahweh. I'm assuming that the LSB rendering of that text in the Old Testament will be make Ray the way of Yahweh, make his paths straight. So will there be some type of a translational note? There aren't any notes in this. This is just straight text. Uh, a translational note in the introduction, something like that that'll say, this is what we did, this is why we did it. You're not going to see Yahweh in the New Testament. This is why. I don't know. I'm not saying that I have a simple uh, solution to that. It's one of the issues that you, you face, but, but there you go. So uh, 316publishing.com if you, want to, uh, if you want to take a look at that, uh, and it might be useful to you. I also happened to just briefly glance. I knew what was going to be there, but briefly glance at Mark 141. Uh, and I think that's probably what we'll we'll finish the the program out with is it has been many years now. Oh my goodness. I just realized it's been like a decade now. (laughs) You know, you're getting older when 
you did something a decade ago and it's uh, just fairly recently and then you go oh never mind uh, it was actually yeah yeah everything gets telescoped together uh that's telescoping yeah and it happens naturally in life uh unfortunately um now, I was just sitting here thinking, I don't know why I didn't. I, I will try to remember. I will put on the list uh, to go back to Colossians 1 on Thursday. Um, all this election stuff is just, and how quickly things are uh, going has sort of gotten me out of that. Um, unless, of course, I am. Li- I started listening this morning to a, oh, 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 <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I know, I know, it's terrible. Um, did you see the clip? Because this is super relevant, so let, let's let's hit this before I forget it, because I forget everything. Um, did you see the clip from Adrian Warnock? Now, when I say Adrian Warnock, you need to know who Adrian Warnock is. We have talked about Adrian Warnock on this program before. Adrian Warnock is one of the two Democratic candidates for the Senate in Georgia. So January 5th, two senators will be chosen in Georgia. And in all probability, they'll either both be Republican or they'll both be Democrat. If they're both Democrat, the Democrats have the Senate. And when the Democrats have the Senate, you're going to have the Equality Act. You're going to have Roe v. Wade put into legislation. Um, the, the The barn door will be kicked open. And everything the socialists have wanted to do will now have the rule of law. This is, this, elections have consequences. And Big Eva is going to be sitting around explaining why they were telling people that, 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 that you could help kick that door open as the churches are being closed down and, and everything else. They, that, you all get to explain that. I was consistent, so there you go. Anyway, um, Adrian Warnock is the pastor of Martin Luther King's church. Old church, obviously. And he is a Baptist minister and obviously a disciple of James Cone. And that entire spectrum of belief and teaching. What causes uh, this morning? If you saw the clip, a, a clip started circulating in Twitter uh, about three or four days ago, and but it was very short, and it was uh, it was him saying that like a third of the American population was into this what. Raphael Warnock. That's right. You're right. You're right. Raphael. Sorry. Right. Thank you. Yeah, Raphael. Sorry, Adrian didn't mean to. Uh, yeah. Uh, Raphael Warnock. Um, anyway, he was. This was recorded back in October of 2016. So this was before Trump was elected. And the little clip was about how, as the way he put it that time, a third of America, ended up being more than that, obviously, could support this kind of person 
and him saying that America needs to repent of its worship of whiteness. Its worship of whiteness. And in the definition he was giving at that time or functioning on, uh, Dr. Warnock was saying that putting up with the things that Trump has said and done is a worship of whiteness. Okay. Well, I thought, you know what? I, that was a really short clip. Let, let, me, let me listen to the whole thing. And so I tracked it down. You can't always do that, but somehow I was able to do so. And it was only 22 minutes long. I mean, uh, Jeff Durbin isn't even, does, hasn't even started to warm up at 22 minutes. And so, um, but when you're speaking at a university, you, you only have so much time. And so I listened to it this morning, listened to the whole thing. And I was struck by the fact that there is so much, how do I put this? Not, not, not tradition, but th- that would be an accurate term, I suppose. But there were many things that he said that were completely true, that no one from our side would, for a moment, dispute. He quoted from some hymns that almost all Baptists sing, and uh, how firm a foundation, he quoted from how firm a foundation, even though I don't, I can't believe for a, for a millisecond that he believes in inerrancy or anything like that. That, no, that's not possible. But I, I realized while listening to it, what causes confusion for so many Christians is that if you listened to the whole sermon, you would have heard enough that sounded like what you believe to cause serious dissonance in your thinking. It would cause you to go, did he really mean that? Why did he say this? I don't understand why this is being said. And it's because most of us, for obvious reasons, primarily listen to people who speak our language and believe the things that we believe. And so when we start journeying outside that that realm to realms close by or that were, were close by in the past, or that share a common ancestry but have moved way far away, we hear the same words and we assume the same meanings. And so if I wanted to bend over backwards, I could have agreed with almost everything that Dr. Warnock said in that sermon, but I know what he meant I know what his context is. I know who James Cone was. And I know where he's going. And so I realized that even though the hymn is a hymn I've sung, it's now being sung with a very different background and meaning to it. And I think this really, this causes a lot of folks in our churches no end of consternation and will if <laughs> if you disobey the uh, the governors who are locking everything down California totally locked down Washington I, I think Oregon as well um, just going into complete 
more than March type um, lockdowns. And uh, so if you somehow still gather with family members outside of your pod, that's another creepy thing now. Uh, you've got your pods they're setting up in various places. And, oy, oy, oy. Um, if you get together with family and friends, those conversations, those dinnertime debates, more and more cause confusion because how wide the divide is becoming. We're using the same dictionary, but we're defining things so completely differently. And that listening to that, that Warnock thing uh, definitely reminded me of, of that. And by the way, as our European friends are already experiencing this now, California, Washington, uh, going back into these uh, business-destroying, church-destroying um, lockdowns, again, with the ostensible, well, just, just, just look at the numbers. Yeah, look at the numbers. The numbers have, have gone up since you did the masking mandates and since you've been doing all the rest of this stuff. And you're saying, well, it's just because y'all are not doing it well enough. Well, no one's ever going to do it well enough because if the military can't do it well enough and still get more infections, then you need to realize that this whole adventure on your part is a big joke and we all get it. Well, most of us are getting it. Most of us now understand what you're really doing. You're trying to make us all wards of the state. We get it, and you're succeeding. And we had a chance to put the brakes on it. Didn't do it because people don't like tweets. But um, anyway, uh, we get it. So now, the, the difference now is, remember, what was that in the Atlantic? I think it was in the Atlantic. I had that, that um, reporter call me. May, June, something like that. And I was interviewed for an article in the Atlantic. I honestly, did you ever hear anything from anybody about them? No. I did not either. No I, I'm, it was, I mean, it was, it was published. I know it was published. But it's like nobody cared. <laughs> it's just nobody cared. But one of the things that, I, that she really focused on was my saying, I, you know, I have a feeling next time around, because I knew there was going to be a next time around, I, I have a feeling next time around, a lot of churches are going to be significantly less uh, willing to just go, hey, whatever you say, uh, two weeks to flatten the curve, we're, we're now at how many weeks? Uh, 48? Something like that? Um, they're they're going to be significantly more skeptical about the grounds because no, no, no new grounds have been given. We've got Dr. Fauci out there spouting the same stuff that hasn't worked. He's been wrong all along. Uh, it's, it's plain he doesn't believe it. Uh, we all know that. And so what's the, what's the church going to do? And I know that there are some churches in England, but they're breaking through the doors and kicking people out. I mean, this, this, is, this is what we're looking at. Um, and... I'm going to make the prediction that starting January 21st of 2021, these draconian California, Washington-style lockdowns 
will be enforced across the nation. And we will have a period of time where certain states, certain localities will seek to um, resist federal power. But the feds own everything. And the feds print money and pass it out like candy. And so when the feds tell your, your, let's say your mayor, let's say your mayor really wants to defend the Constitution, really wants to do what's right, realizes this is all a bunch of bunk, but 12% of your budget comes from the federal government, or maybe more. And it comes with strings attached. You do what we say, or we're going to withhold these funds. Uh, what's going to happen? Will, the, will there be a period of time? Will South Dakota say to the federal government, not in our state you don't? My gut feeling is you'll get from the various Republican governors who have a spine um, strong words, but capitulation in the end, uh, all across the nation, which means churches will be told, close down. You, you have to, you know, no singing, all the rest of this stuff. And I saw, I saw a guy, and of course, if you ignore the science, if you ignore the studies, if you, if you just buy the narrative, then there's this guy going, I, one thing this pandemic certainly has demonstrated is that most Christians are far more concerned about their own personal rights than loving their neighbors. You remember the love your neighbor thing? That was... This is that was the whole thing back in March, and it's it's gotten really threadbare because we've now seen that we're not loving our neighbors at all uh, by doing this. But there are still people that are just going to keep beating that drum until the drumhead pops right through. Um, and since they did it, since they killed their church, their church has ceased to exist. Then they've got a real reason now to just go all out. And anybody who didn't do what they did. And uh, end of January, next year, we will all be facing this. And unless there is just a general, everybody says no. We know it's a lie. We know you're lying to us. We know even patting the numbers. We know the science isn't with you. Um. And unless we just all stand up and say no, then if it's only just a small number, they'll pick you off one by one. They'll pick us all off one by one. And I say that as a pastor in a church that did not close down at all. We never went online. We never missed the Lord's Supper. And there were all sorts of people initially that were unloving, unkind, and eventually... A lot of people said, no, actually, no, mm, yeah, okay. Well, that ain't over. There was, a, there was a brief break, but that isn't over. That isn't over. And so, once again, the question is going to be what, you know, we're, we're right back to where we started. Sphere sovereignty, and now it is so plain, it is so clear you know, there, there, was, there was at least some argument back then as to what the real intentions of the state were. There are 
can anyone really make an argument now? I mean, come on. Um, here, let's. This will be. This will be the new quoting Caesar thing. Come on, man. Come on, man. Don't you see how hairy my legs are? Come on, man. You know, it seemed to work um, for a lot of folks. Um, seriously, who, who's going to really make that argument now? There, there will be some who will. They, they, they will. They, they will pull that drum back out and start beating it. But the, the, the facts are the facts, and they're playing. And the question is going to be: Do we just simply roll over and capitulate? And I'm afraid the foundation has already been laid to do that because uh, not only are there many churches that did roll over that no longer exist, businesses that no longer exist, uh, restaurants that no longer exist, uh, the devastation along those lines. But on a theological level, the argument has already been made. You know, this is as long as you believe whatever Caesar tells you is for your safety, then you got to do it, as long as you believe it. And my biggest concern for the future is that right now, if you're willing to dig, you can come up with major elements of the truth still. But big tech's not going to allow that for very long. Just see some of those, those, uh, those people showing up in front of the, the Senate, uh, just just today, wow! They they have no fear of those people. For now, they're putting up with them because they know they have to. But you just know that behind those eyes, they're saying your time's coming, Senator. I'm going to be here long after you're gone, and I'm the one that has all the power. I'm just putting up with you right now, but I will take you out in the end. That's exactly what they're thinking. That's exactly what they're thinking. Yeah, I own you. I own you. That's right. Uh, and yeah, yeah. Part part of their their ease of answering is okay. I don't own you, but there are enough people on your committee that I do own that I'm good. You know, I'm good. So yeah, there you go. Yeah. So uh, pastors, elders. If you haven't been giving serious prayer and consideration to how you would handle a federally mandated closure, you need to be doing that right now. You need to be doing that three months ago. We sort of got to put it on the side burner for a little while. We got, we got distracted with other things. It's coming back. It's coming back. Uh, last time... They got us because it came so quick, and there are going to be millions of people laying in the streets dead. And there are still people who believe that. I've seen them on Twitter. Oh, it's scary. They will believe anything. They, there was people talking about how down in Texas right now they're having to use prisoners to drag all the bodies to the morgues and all the rest of this stuff. And it's, it's, it's science fiction craziness, but they believe it. They really do believe that, that that's exactly what's going to happen, and... It's happening right now, and they have no context as to mortality numbers to even begin to understand uh, all the rest of it. So it's coming our way again, kids. And so the question is going to be, 
How important is it to gather together as the people of God and make communal confession of faith? And, and when, you, when you come to hear the Word of God, when you come to be submissive to the Word of God, when you, when you come to pray, when you come to sing, this is communal confession of the faith, that you are confessing to the world that you're a follower of Jesus Christ. So what's that going to be? What's that going to be worth to us? And initially, what's it going to be worth to those of us who are in leadership positions? Deacons, you ready to step up when the, uh, when the pastors are visiting with the local authorities? Never thought you'd have to do that, but it's quite possible. It's quite possible. There's been many, many times churches in China have had to look to lay leadership because their pastors were now in prison. And think about the pressure there. Because you know you're the next one up. You're the next one up. Yeah, that's when you really start thinking things through very, very seriously. So, all right. Sorry about that. I I should have had a list together, but we just sort of bounced around. And Did you type any of this up? Okay, good. All right, we're good. Because I won't remember. I don't remember. So uh, hopefully I will remember on Thursday to get back to some of the Colossians stuff. And uh, I have a bad tendency to start on something. And then since we do do commentary on what's going on, <laughs> it's not like it's been boring recently. Uh, it's real easy to uh, lose track of where you've been in the past and drop stuff, which I've done many times. I recognize that. Sorry about that. Anyway, we will, uh, Lord willing, see you on Thursday on The Dividing Line. God bless.